to be in the house of the Lord. Um, we got a, a couple of announcements for you. First of all, I want to remind you that uh, the John Barnes Sunday School class is meeting. Uh, they're meeting starting at 9.30 on Sunday mornings in the regular room. So uh, if you're part of the John Barnes class or would like to be part of the John Barnes class, uh, come on and, and have Sunday school with us. We're also trying to get together a young adult Sunday school class. Um, so if you're interested in that class, come talk to me. We'll figure out a time and a place because uh, uh, we don't have a country right now or a, <laughs> or a Sunday school room at least. Any other announcements that I'm missing? Anybody else have anything we need to announce? We got charge conference coming up soon. We got some meetings ahead of that. I'll, I'll let publish those uh, real soon. All right, let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, you love us so deeply. You inspire us to devotion to you. So, God, I pray that you will give us grace to come to you this morning in a spirit of devotion and sincerity, seeking out what you would have to say to us today. Show us more of yourself, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. Um, all of our musicians called in again today, and so uh, you get more banjo. So uh, I promise I'm not trying to turn this into Banjo Church, but I guess if it happened, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the whole world, because you know I love a banjo. Well, I guess Ruth, if Ruth likes it, maybe it's like, maybe we're on the cutting edge. Maybe in like 10 years, everybody will be Banjo Church, and uh, that would be awesome. But I want to invite you to stand and sing with me. We're going to sing, He Leadeth Me, O Blessed Thought, hymn number uh, 128. So let's stand and sing. I'll give you a chance to look it up in your hymnals. I'm just going to sing the straight up hill. All right, let's I'll sing, sing together. Thank you. 
much. <laughs> Amen. I want to invite you to read with me from the Psalms. One thing I love to do, haven't done here quite yet, is uh, read the Psalms together. You know, the Psalms are God's um, song book and worship book. And so in the hymnal in the back, uh, this is today we're reading from page 750. We're going to do a responsive reading in the Psalms. So let's read together Psalm 19. Y'all read the parts in bold, and I'll read the parts that are not in bold. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims God's handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them God has set a tent for the sun, which comes forth like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and runs its course with joy like a strong man. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can understand one's own errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Also keep your servant from the insolent. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to invite you to sit down as we go into a time of prayer. All right. Who can we be praying for today? I know that uh, uh, we've got some word from uh, Pat Strickland that Bill is supposed to come home on Wednesday. So they're... Uh, Looking forward to that, but also um, it's going to be a lot of work to take care of him. So be in prayer for them. Yeah, Lee. Absolutely. Yeah, Debbie. We need to keep praying for Kathy Powell and her family. Uh, her father, uh, they called in hospice care for him. So be in prayer for Kathy and the family. Yeah. Does our family? Yeah, absolutely. Also, um, Lisa Nemendorf, Lancaster, a friend of ours, she is um, dealing with really bad cases. So she's in the hospital. Absolutely. Cookie?
Just saw some hands over here. Nancy? Yeah, Liz? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Ruth. No joke. All right. Let's go to what's that? Storm relief. Yes. All right. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, so much, um, I just feel like every day I hear of someone else who's struggling physically. It's no problem. Cough drop. Okay. Jesus, we praise you for, for, for uh, watching over us just now. Father, we pray that you will um, be at work in all of these different situations that we've heard about. God, we pray for those that are affected by the storm, that you will keep them uh, encouraged. God, we pray for those in the hospital, those that are struggling with COVID. God, we pray for the family of this young lady that committed suicide. Father, we pray that you will show up in a special way. God, we cannot, uh, we don't have the words to say, but your spirit can intercede for us with groans that we cannot say for ourselves. So, spirit, intercede for that family. God, we pray for Bill and his family as he comes home. Uh, God, give them strength and energy to take care of him. God, we pray for Bob Myers, for Diane Smith, as she is uh, having surgery on her shoulder. God, we pray that you will uh, be with her and watch out for her. We pray for Kathy Powell and her family as hospice is being called in on her dad. God, give him your grace during this difficult time. We pray for the Bunch family as they mourn the loss of Paul. It's so hard. 
We pray for Lisa Lancaster as she's dealing with COVID. We pray for Cookie and her family during this difficult time. Uh, God, they've lost so much. Wrap them up in your arms. God, we pray for Johnny Long, her brother. God, we pray for Gary Brinson and Sherry Johnson. God, so much loss, so much struggle, so much mourning going on. God, I pray that you will help us to locate our joy in you, even in difficult times. We ask all these things in your name by praying the prayer that you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to invite our ushers to come forward as we take up our offering. Father, be with us today. Bless this offering. Bless those who give. Help it to be good for our church family and for our community. Should have made this spiritual and asked y'all to sit in silent reflection. It's for the offering, but I didn't think about it. All right, let's stand as we sing our doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly. Thanks, guys. All right. We are in our series on Colossians called Reconciled Life. We're talking about what it means to be reconciled with Christ. That's kind of the theme of the book of Colossians. Some of the, the, um, the implications of that. Today we're on Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 23. Let's read it together. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus as the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, 
and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him. When he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands, he set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink, of observing festivals, new moons, or Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions puffed up without cause by human way of thinking, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with the growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you not submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. All these regulations refer to things that perish with use. They are simply human commands and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-imposed piety, humility, and severe treatment of the body, but they are of no value in checking self-indulgence. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Talking about false teachings and about philosophies that lead us astray today. And it could be so easy to get up here and warn you all about the deceptive philosophies of the world that could get you taken captive. Right? And it would be correct to do that. I get up here and rail about every ism under the sun. I could get up here and rant about socialism and how it's messed up, or postmodernism, or secularism, or consumerism, or new ageism, or Marxism, or I could talk about capitalism and how it isn't the, the silver bullet some people think it is. I could go down the list of all the isms that we deal with in our world today and talk about how each of them is a human tradition or based on elemental forces and how they don't hand a hold a candle to God. And I would be right to do so. None of those isms hold a candle to God. You guys pretty much know that. Instead, I'd like to tell you about my friend Brian. Brian's a guy I grew up with. Uh, we were buddies in elementary school and middle school. And he was a smart guy, and he was really fun to be around, but he struggled in school with his grades, and he would suffer from frequent headaches. And one day, when he was in middle school, Brian went to the optometrist. And Brian discovered that for his whole life, he had literally been seeing double. Brian had the worst vision of anybody that I have ever known. 
And that's saying something because Sarah Beth's is pretty bad. But Brian's was worse than Sarah Beth. Everything he saw, he saw double. And I remember him telling me when he put on glasses for the first time, he did not even know that everybody didn't just see two of everything. He thought that everybody in the world was walking around seeing two of everything. His headaches got better after that. His grades improved. And I, I just remember him saying, I never knew that this wasn't how it was supposed to be. I never knew that everybody else was going around seeing great. And I wasn't. See, I don't think anybody in this room is in too much danger of being taken captive by the empty philosophy of Marxism. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But if so, I'll save that sermon for another day. But there is another, more insidious, empty philosophy that I know for a fact many Christians fall prey to. And I know that because I fall prey to it myself. And like my buddy Brian, we can go around thinking that we're seeing properly, thinking that we're living the Christian life properly, and never knowing what we're missing. Because the thing that we fall prey to is the empty philosophy version of Christianity itself. When I was coming up uh, in the church, folks make this big deal about a Christian worldview. I went to a Christian school and they trained us up to have this Christian worldview so that we would know the right and proper Christian way to think about the world. They wanted us to see politics through the Christian lens, science through a Christian lens, culture and family and whatever else through this Christian point of view and this Christian worldview, which we learned when we were young, which is great, right? I mean, that's okay. We want to see things through a Christian worldview. But then you couple that with a whole industry of Christian publishing, Christian media, Christian clothing, and it's possible to get caught up in being passionate about being a Christian, dedicated to Christianity, a, a defender of the Christian worldview that doesn't know Christ at all. In fact, you can do all that stuff without even going to church, really. You can watch all the right shows, listen to all the right TV preachers, and not have a community of faith that you're living in. And you can be extremely passionate about Christianity as a cultural thing without knowing what it is to be alive in Christ. And there are, in fact, a lot of people out there that do exactly that. But the fact is, a Christian worldview without Christ at the center is nothing but another empty philosophy that Paul warns us about in Colossians. It deceives us into believing that we can obey the rules, buy the right products, Think the thoughts for God without ever living our life with God. And like my buddy Brian, we never know what we're missing or even that we're missing something because we've got our Christianity bases covered. 
but instead were deceived by the elemental forces and by human tradition into believing that we can live a Christian life on our own terms without having a spiritual connection to Christ himself. I remember when I was in high school at my Christian school learning about all this Christian worldview and telling my Bible teacher, I remember saying, you know, I just don't think of myself as a very spiritual person. I think my calling is to just do what I know I'm supposed to do and I don't have to go and pray about it every time I have a choice because I know what I'm supposed to do already. <laughs> a system of religion that we can follow so that we don't have to do the vulnerable and dangerous work of actually listening to Jesus and obeying the Spirit of God. I, because to be honest, sometimes it makes me feel uncomfortable to have to be spiritual. I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to get all emotional. I don't want to have to, to I don't know, I, I would, it would be great to not have to pray about stuff, to just go and just to do stuff and be okay. But that is not what the Christian life is about. That's how we end up like spiritual zombies, man. We shuffle around with the semblance of life, but we're not really alive. Jesus described that as being a whitewashed tomb. Paul says that we're like a body without connection to the head. The idea is that it approximates real Christianity, real life in God, but it's not actually really life in any meaningful way. But Jesus has more from this than that. He wants us to be truly alive. And that's why Paul describes the freedom that we're supposed to have in Christ. He says, don't let anybody who delights in false humility in the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they've seen, but they're puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. So we don't have to worry about rules and regulations and worldviews if we have a connection with Christ, because Christ will not lead us astray. And this gives us so much life and so much freedom. And so this is the thing, is that it's great to have a Christian worldview if you know Christ. You're supposed to have a Christian world. It's great to get that education to where you have a Christian view on all of these different other aspects of the world. But if you don't know Christ... Man, I'd almost just as soon have you have a worldly worldview. Go ahead and have one of these other isms if Christ isn't at the center. Because at least when that ism lets you down, and it inevitably will let you down, at least you might turn to Christ later. Maybe you'll give Jesus a chance. But if you believe that Jesus failed you because you're so caught up in Christianity-ism, rather than in Christ, then you'll say, well, Christ went ahead and failed me. I guess I'll try something else. It's good to listen to Christian music if it connects you to Christ, but we don't have to do it just to look good. We get to opt out of the empty philosophy that won't stop arguing and fighting and bickering. We can just give that stuff up to Jesus. Such regulations have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. That's what the scripture says. 
Because not only does phony religion not connect you with Christ, it also doesn't really work in making you a better person. It just teaches you to sin and to gratify your flesh in a way that's easy to keep a secret. You know, you, sit, you start sinning in the ways that you know you can get away with rather than in the ways that are obvious. That's what phony religion does. It doesn't help you to, to, to become more godly. It just helps you to sin in a way that's more socially acceptable. So what does real life look like for Christians? Does this mean that we can just ditch Christian education, think about whatever we want, not have a Christian worldview, and do whatever feels good as long as me and Jesus are okay with it? No, sorry, that's not what it means. We still need to think right, and we still need to act right. But that right thinking and right action has to come out of our life in Christ. It can never be a substitute for life in Christ. So our questions need to be, we need to ask ourselves some things. First of all, what makes you come alive in Christ? What is the thing that when you do it, when you practice this thing, it makes you come alive? So maybe it's singing for you. Maybe this discipline of, of worship makes you feel like you come alive. Maybe it's study. Maybe it's fasting. God forbid for me. That's not me. You might can tell. Maybe it's fasting. Maybe it's singing. Maybe it's worship. Maybe it's study. Maybe it's, I don't know what, maybe it's solitude. Maybe it's taking a walk in nature that connects you to Christ. But all I know is that the world needs Christians who are fully alive. The world needs to have Christians who are connected with Christ and who are, who are fully alive in Christ. And so we need to, to do the things that make us come alive in Him. We don't need to, to saddle ourselves to religion. We don't need to saddle ourselves to rules and regulations. What we need to do is saddle ourselves to Christ. So find the thing that connects you to Christ, that makes you come alive in Him, and then go do it joyfully because real life in Christ means that we're supposed to have joy Christians are supposed to experience joy and one clue that you might not be connected to Christ the way you're supposed to be is if your life is devoid of joy oh I read a book recently about C.S. Lewis and his version of his vision of spirituality. And C.S. Lewis referred to God as the glad creator. God is a glad creator who created a good world for us to be in. And sure, sin went and messed it up, but that doesn't mean that what God created wasn't good. The Psalms describe God as having pleasures at his right hand forevermore. Joy and hope are not just a fringe benefit of being a Christian. They are the substance of the Christian life. And so you might, but you might be, especially right now, saying, Matt, how are we supposed to have joy? How can you preach about joy in a time like this? 
I know 17 people on a ventilator. I know people that are burying loved ones left and right. There's storms that are ravaging our country. There's so much going on in the world. There's war and the Taliban and, and the 20th anniversary of 9-11. There's so much death and sorrow around us. How are we supposed to be joyful? But I think that it's important now more than ever because we have to understand that religious religion can't sustain us right now. Rules and regulations and worldview cannot sustain us during this time. Christian products can't sustain us. Only Jesus can bestow on us the joy of the Lord that can see us through these hard times. Only Jesus can come to us during this time of trial and say, there is hope. I'm going to win. I'm going to make things right. The joy of the Lord is a miracle of being alive in Christ because when we're coming alive in Christ, He bestows that joy on us. It doesn't come from our circumstances. It doesn't come around us. It might not even come from inside of us. It comes from Jesus. And he gives us a sense of joy that is hard to explain when you can't, to, to someone who hasn't experienced it before. Life in Christ is supposed to have joy. And that's why Paul is writing telling them not to be taken captive by empty philosophy, by empty religion. Not to be cut off from the head of Christ and, and to ramble around. Because he needs Christians in Col Colossia, Colossi? I forgot, Colossus, that's what it is. He needs Christians in Colossus, and he needs Christians in Garden City, in Effingham County, Georgia, to be truly alive. He needs us to have joy. He needs us to remember that we are triumphing over the rulers and authorities of this world. He needs us to know that we're not condemned, but we are lifted up because God has a life for you and me that will bring life to the world if we only lean into it. The world needs Christians who have come alive to spread the hope in a world that is sorely in need of it. So I don't know about you, but I know that for me, it is easy to get into this mode where I'm just going through the motions. It's so easy for me to get into the kind of mode where I, I'm just checking off the boxes of my faith day to day. And the longer I do that, the more boxes go unchecked, right? What I need is to come alive. What I need is that connection with Christ who will bring me to life so that I can have joy and I can have hope and then I can show other people that there is joy and hope in the midst of difficult times. I don't know if you've been going through the motions or not. I don't know if you've fallen for this empty philosophy version of Christianity or not. But today, Christ bids us to come alive. 
to experience joy. So today, during our final song, Sarah Beth's going to come and sing a song for us. I want to invite you to come to the altar if you feel like you need Jesus to come and make you come alive so that you can be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, abounding in thanksgiving just as you were taught. Let's pray. Jesus, you have given us an opportunity to come alive. You've shown us that phony religion isn't going to cut it. Rules and regulations and worldviews, while they're nice and necessary, without you, they might as well not exist. God, I pray that you will free us today from empty religion so that we can go into the world and show them what it's like when believers have come alive in the joy and the hope of the Holy Spirit. Give us grace to do so, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. Sarah Beth's going to sing for us, My Jesus. Thank you, Sarah Beth. Come on.
guilty. Who would care that much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, he makes a way when there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And if he resists, I know that he can do So go now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, alive in Christ. Amen.